Welcome to On Culture. On this podcast, we talk about culture and faith and the world and our place in it. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support our work and explore all of our content on our website, theembassy.substack.com. Here's Mike. And we're back for another episode of On Culture. My name is Mike Sherman. On Culture is the podcast of the Embassy, the Embassy Substack newsletter, theembassy.substack.com. I am joined by my good friend, Chad Myers. How are you doing, Chad? Hey, hey, good morning, good morning. Good to see you, Mike. It's good to be seen, uh, and we're going to talk about gnats and camels. Uh, it's a, it's, a, it's an, an arresting phrase, and I love the passage partly because of that. Uh, but there's it's actually good. A, a good point, uh, I think, uh, that for, for us to consider uh, in the church. And um, one of the things, I guess, one of the one of the points I make and try to make in the piece is just how. It's not that we have more conflict, because you can compare our times to, you know, a lot of other conflicted times, and, um, you know, uh, I mean, for instance, the bombings in the 70s that I re- reference, you know, all of these weathermen and, you know, Symbionese Liberation Army and all that stuff. Were you aware that there were that many bombings in America in that during that time? Mike, that was the that that was the first time I'd ever read that or heard about that. Honestly, it's like it never happened. You know, it's just, you know, yeah. people trying to, people trying to stop the war, people, you know, all of these, uh, the Patty Hearst thing or whatever. It's just sort of a weird time uh, in America. But I mean, one of the points of that is these people were just dead serious about this conflict. Obviously, they were wrong about how to go about it. But, um, you know, when we compare our times to, to those times, and uh, the question is, are we, wor- you know, are we worse off or is, you know, culture in a worse spot or whatever? And one of the things that occurred to me, which is what, you know, the, the main point, I'm, I guess I'm, one of the main points I'm trying to make in the piece is that it's not that there's more or less conflict. There, pro- there might be more or less, but the conflict that we have just tends to be really stupid. It tends to be about minor identity I'm good, you're bad sort of stuff. And you're not even talking about real, real substances. So I, I don't know what you thought of that. I mean, is that something that you, that resonates with you that we don't really have interesting, big, complicated, nuanced discussion con- conflicts? We just have kind of stupid social media rock joint. I think, it's, I think it's one of my favorite uh, uses of the word stupider <laughs> because it's like, no, no, um, there's still conflict. There's still hostility. There always has been, but it's just gotten stupider. <laughs> I mean, we've, just, we've just lost sight and become more ignorant. Um, maybe, maybe willfully. So there's probably some volition there. It's not just a uh, an education thing or a information thing. It's probably a, a will and, a, and an emotional thing to it. That's um, kind of narrowed the lenses of focus instead of seeing the broader, broader big picture. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think we, here's a, here's a real complicated question where, where the answer isn't super obvious. Uh, let's ignore that. And, you know, let's ignore that that question and pretend it's not complicated and just have a stupid conflict of I'm good, you're bad. I think that yeah. is a lot of what we're doing, you know. Uh, and so 
that and in the process we just missed we just missed the point and you know to use uh the the phrase that jesus uses um you know that we'll come back to you we tend to begin to strain out gnats and swallow camels um so this i mentioned this alistair Begg, uh who i was sort of aware of and i'd seen some of his stuff uh he's in a pastor yeah, but, you know, very sort of reformed evangelical, I don't know, some would call fundamentalist pastor. Very yeah, he's a good, I mean, pastor. I've listened to multiple, multiple sermons of his and he's fed me. And I, I mean, I don't agree with everything in his style, but he's, mm-hmm. I still like, wow, he's, he's, he's a really great, great communicator. He seems very solid in how he handles um, his positions. And so I, I like him. Well, too bad you're wrong about that, Chad, uh, <laughs> because we we found out he's a bad guy. <laughs> I know. I, I'm usually on the wrong side of the fence. <laughs> too late to too late to realize it. Well, it's so interesting that, yeah, I mean, you, I mean, again, um, I've had some exposure to Alistair Begg, like you know, listened to something, some teaching here, some teaching there. He's got. Um, ministry called truth for life which has like a daily devotional that i've used here or there um yeah but the idea that he's um you know he's not conservative enough or he's not whatever enough is is kind of hilarious uh and yet all of that is what is was being accused because he uh he talked about giving um and the interesting thing is he's probably he's probably given this advice before but now he's talking about it and so therefore open to public, you know, response that uh, a grandmother asked him if it was okay to attend the wedding of this grandmother's granddaughter who was marrying a trans person. I'm not sure if I have all the details absolutely correct, but grandchild getting married to someone who's transgender is the basic, you know, uh, yeah, that's what was... You know, so she wasn't sure. And then the question in her mind is a question that whatever one thinks of it is a sincere question is if I don't agree that this marriage is conforms to my understanding of biblical teaching, is it okay for me to go? Uh, and, you know, Beg said, yeah, you should go, go and bring a gift go and be loving. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the world blew up, uh, you know, the social media world blew up and basically canceling in a sense, due to the sense that he could be canceled, Alistair Begg, where he's no longer, his radio program is no longer carried by, uh, what is it, American Family Radio or something like that, the, you know, the network, um, which was basically the radio show was just basically, I think excerpts of his teachings. It's not like it was, it was more than that, but, um, you know, the, uh, John MacArthur, who's, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I'll try to be charitable. I mean, he's just not my favorite person and hasn't been for a long time, partly because he's yet, he's sort of a harsh doctrinaire, uh, you know, person with whom I have probably a lot of agreement theologically, but a lot of disagreement in terms of how to carry that theology forward. 
Uh, it's just that he's he's a pastor of Grace Church, and his ministry is Grace to You, which is, in, you know, in the context seems kind of hilarious uh, because he yeah. basically said, yeah, I mean, we disagree on this issue, so we, you can't come and speak at the conference you were scheduled to speak at that I'm holding. Uh, because we disagree, and that was the stated reason. We disagree on this issue. I would have given different advice, so you can't come and teach. Uh, which is, uh, you know, I guess on its face, it seems just stupid to me. And yet, I guess if you're in a certain spot in the controversy, it makes perfect sense. He's not one, basically, he's not one of us anymore. I mean, that's, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's, I mean... <laughs> Which so who can if if Beg can't speak at a MacArthur conference like who can? Going to have to read some old theologians, uh, just read from their transcripts or something. But I think yeah, he's not one of us. And what's interesting too is like I would have given. It's not even like you're like you're kind of saying the the article in here missing the point. It's not even that Alistair Begg's core doctrine is in disagreement with MacArthur's because I'm sure that it's not. I'm sure right. that they uphold right. a similar view of marriage. Right. Um, but it's just a practical advice issue. Like, do right. I go there or do I not go there? And we're going to divide over this. And I think that's your whole point is, well, we're missing the bigger picture. We're missing the point. And I love mm -hmm. Beg's reason of advice because if you go, you might surprise them with love and kindness. But if you don't go, it will easily confirm uh, the bias of, see those evangelicals, they're judgmental, they're critical, you know, it's us versus them. Yeah. And, and I, think, I think his reason, whether you agree with his advice or not, that seems very reasonable. Um, yeah. But to say yeah. we would have given different advice, therefore, we can't be friends anymore. Um, yeah, you're a bad person. It seems like it. Yeah, you're you're bad. Yeah, yeah, and so I think it, so. Let's talk for a second about you know a more intelligent, hopefully, uh, conversation about the issues. Um, you know, because I have been asked that question. I think I tended to be the person who got asked those questions when when we were on staff at Calvary a, a lot. But I don't know if you, if you have ever been asked that question before. Uh, yeah, you have. Okay. So I think if, if you're in ministry for a while in the world in which we live in, I think it would be surprising if, and maybe it may be telling if, if you never got asked this question. Like if maybe if you never get asked this question, people already know what answer you're going to give and you don't feel like a safe person to ask real questions. But it's a real question that I don't want to uh, betray. Is this a betrayal of my faith? Is this a betrayal of my beliefs? which I don't think it is, uh, and or, um, you know, is it unloving? Uh, will it, I mean, if you don't go to somebody's wedding because you disapprove, relationally, that might be really hard to come back from. In fact, it might end that relationship. In, in fact, it probably, I mean, that seems likely. Uh, and so, you know, what what biblical examples do we have? You know, and, and I just think if you look at ministry of Jesus, for instance, I mean, he was criticized because he would hang out with these sinners and in the way the New Testament refers. I mean, New Testament makes clear that we're all sinners, but then what cult, what 
the culture, what society, what the religious people, those people who would call sinners are sort of more obvious sinners, more public sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors, whatever, whatever, Jesus would go to their, go to dinner, you know, enjoy their hospitality and all of that in that world. And you're, you probably know more about that than I do, signaled something deeper even than it would signal for us. And that was taken as a sign that Jesus couldn't have been a true prophet, couldn't have been the Messiah, because the true prophet wouldn't do these things. It, it was deemed by the good religious people as disqualifying. Uh, when in fact, he, you know, I'm here to bring love, grace, and truth to the world. I can't avoid, you know, all of these people who need it. Um, and, you know, you're missing the point. You're straining out gnats and swallowing camels. So, I mean, I'm right about that, right? The, you know, what it would mean to go to somebody's house for dinner is, in that world, is pretty significant, right? It's and and you're hundred percent right. And uh, the two, just very to me, comparable biblical examples are uh, the Samaritan woman in John four, and then Zacchaeus. Mm-hmm. Zacchaeus is a, a great example of Jesus going to eat dinner with someone who is considered one of the worst of the worst sinners, a tax collector and yeah. uh, greedy an extortionist, all these sins piled up into Zacchaeus' lap. And 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 yes, for an Orthodox Jew and a prophet to go eat, have meal fellowship, table fellowship with someone, is to say to them, you could be approved by God. You could have God's seal of approval on you. I'm with you. Uh, you are welcome in fellowship. And so, yeah, it's way, it would symbolize and signify way more depth of approval of that person as a human being um, than us attending, a, than the grandmother attending right. a wedding, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a, you know, there's an old belief about weddings that I don't think um, is widely held. You know, it's kind of more of a Book of Common Prayer or a Reformation view that everyone who attends is, in a sense, an officiant. And it's kind of where that, if anyone has anything to say against, uh, speak now, blah, blah, blah. But I, I think that's not, it's not in the Bible, obviously. Uh, and it certainly doesn't fit our world. And, you know, if that's the case, because I, I, I heard <clears throat> uh, in response, somebody was writing about this controversy and they had not had that view and they were sort of, uh, you know, even they were, dis- they were, uh, um, you know, they were critical of John MacArthur and critical of response of whatever, but you know, even they were saying, I don't go to very many weddings. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, at that, at that point, <laughs> it doesn't signal if you go to somebody's wedding that everything about all of you is, is I totally agree with. And even that framework is, you know, we ought to be in deep relationship with people that we have deep disagreements with. Like that should be something that we can do. And that's part of the stupid nature of our world is then we just classify we otherize you're one of them so i'm not going to date you i'm not going to uh i was just reading an article last night about how men worldwide men are in a you know response to a lot of political cultural movements are getting more conservative women are getting more liberal and it's harder to date you know interviewing men it's like yeah i kind of have to pretend to be you know liberal 
you know, just to go on dates and uh, be able to be with women. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, because you're, I, you're the bad person. I don't want to, and I, it makes me think of, you got me this book a few years back, uh, Unclean by uh, Richard Beck, uh, in this whole sense of, that we have about being contaminated. Like I can't be in contact with you bad people and it can go both ways. I mean, I think the cultural left uh, will think this about the cultural right. The cultural right will think this about the, like I will be contaminated somehow by just mere, your mere presence. And that is so, it's not just unbiblical, it's anti-biblical. It's just everything yeah. about that is wrong. Well, it is anti-biblical. It's, it's um, pharisaical. And um, Jesus had some of the most severe, I believe they're merciful words, but severe words for the, those whose mindsets and attitudes were, I, 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 I'm not contaminated. You know, I'm yeah. not contaminated. I'm the clean and, and I can't be, right? Yeah, you are contaminated. And uh, for the record, Richard Beck would never be invited to speak at a MacArthur conference. <laughs> Although he would be thoroughly enjoyable, probably one of the most popular ones there. But uh, yeah, yeah for me, for me, when I think about this, this advice and this, um, this issue, I think consistency is something that concerns me. Um, you know, if I'm not going to go to that wedding, am I not going to go to a wedding between a believer and an unbeliever or two you know? unbelievers. I mean, or two unbelievers. Am I, am I going right. to just I mean, say the only wedding I'll absolutely go to is between a man and a woman who are both believers. And I might even have to ask them yep. about their testimony right. to see if they're the genuine. Have to, I'll send them a questionnaire ahead of time. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> what's the limiting principle where you just don't, you're just, you're a Pharisee at that point. Right. I mean, you're, and it's just, I don't want to be associated with contaminated by, blah, blah, blah. And I don't want someone to say, oh, you're one of those people. You're one of the bad people. We're going to marginalize you. It's just all, and I, you know, I think part of why I'm just older now, just also stupid. Like we're not even talking about real, the real, it's a real question. I can understand why the woman asks it. I think Beg gives her the right of, yeah, go, absolutely go. Love those people. Yeah. Um, you don't, well, your, lo lo your love, love for them. Yeah, your love for them doesn't. You can love people that you um, are in disagreement with, uh, and then this whole notion of approval—it's like who, I am not in the position to approve or disapprove of you. I mean, that's not in the Bible either. Like, it's just not it. And uh, it's so yeah. In order to love them, we have to sort of well, we have to love them. You know, we have to you know, love them as they are. And uh, that's what, it, you know, you can't just, you can't condemn and avoid and also love them. That's just foolish. Well, and I think, you know, again, the template of, or the lens of the ministry of Jesus of Luke 15, right before he tells the parable of the prodigal son of he ate and drank with tax collectors and sinners. And so, so much was a characteristic of his habits, of his lifestyle, that he was not just attending a wedding of someone. He was in deep relationship with them. He mm -hmm. was willing to yeah. be associated with them, friends with them, come follow me. 
uh, and learn from me and be around my, you know, my teachings. And so much so that one of my favorite critiques of Jesus was uh, when he responds to the Pharisees, you know, you said John the Baptist had a demon. And now the son of man comes and you call him a glutton and a drunkard. Right. You, you know, you, you he's enjoying life with um, outcasts and outsiders and the religious people stumble over him. And that's what yeah. that was the prophecy. And I think the prophecy still holds true from the Psalms. Um, the stone that the, the builders rejected. There are certain people building certain types of attitudes and scaffolding, and they will still stumble. Ironically, uh, ironically, like you said uh, about MacArthur's um, you know, name of his ministry, is they're going to stumble over grace. Mm-hmm. They're going to trip over yeah. grace. Grace yeah. is, it's, it's absurd. It seems foolish. It's everybody does the, you know, these people have been working since six in the morning and they get $10 an hour. And this person works, you know, at the end and they're getting the same pay. It's like, no, you all got the mm-hmm. same pay. It's grace. Mm-hmm. And people yeah. can't it's stomach not earned. it. It's not earned. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the, 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 it isn't that grace is something that I have a repository of that it's, and I, that I can give on those to whom I approve that that isn't what grace is at all, that I'm a recipient of grace equal to everyone else that I need no I need grace no less than anyone and therefore you know I can't I'm never going to be in a position to withhold it there isn't good bad I mean it just doesn't exist in that sense that we all need grace um and I think it again it's so uh that it, it becomes you know the teaching of is what he said of the Pharisees the teaching your human teaching overrides that of the of the scriptures which is, I think, what's happening not only here, but in so much of the conversation, the public conversation involving the church. And I do want to say, I don't think when I say the church, I mean, there's a lot of people in the church who are good, who have given, who would and have given better advice. Those people tend not to be throwing rocks on social media. Yeah. But it is a public expression of the church that's very, it's very distressing. Um, that, you know, yeah, human teachings uh superseding uh the scripture because the scripture is so obvious in the other direction and here's macarthur for instance who's been a bible teacher his whole life who knows all of the passages but has come to a point i think where he's straining out gnats and swallowing camels and he's just one example um you know in fact uh you mean you could see uh i don't recommend ever going online and trying to look into these things because it's depressing but um, you know, this, this, you know, people quoting, uh, that, you know, Paul's, you know, saying to avoid the sexually immoral, uh, and of course, and from first Corinthians five, and it, of course it's completely, it's not only just out of context, it's the opposite of the context where Paul is saying, no, I'm talking about, uh, having church discipline for those who are sexually immoral within the church. I mean, you had a guy, it was a case of incest, basically that he was speaking about and he and he said i'm not talking about people outside the church i'm not talking people out in the world of course not uh in fact he says in the same chapter what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church and it's so it's the complete opposite of the teaching which at some level they have to know and so it's so ironic with some of these people and i don't know you know who who all i met following but you know you have paul pressler who's the the president of the SBC who's been championed by the conservative people 
who've you know trying to kick out people like Russell Moore or uh, or what's the woman's uh, uh, the woman teacher who left the SBC? There's been so there's been Beth. a number of those. Beth Moore, yeah, uh, Russell Moore, Beth Moore. That's why I thought it was wrong because it was the same last name, but. It's not a good, not a good day for the Moors, <laughs> whoever you. Are. Yeah, and so, and partly, like they're not with us, and they're whatever. Meanwhile, they're covering for this guy who's being sued by eight, you know, young men now for abusing them when they were teenagers, and it's just, it's exactly the opposite. It, Paul, you know, the New Testament saying you need to deal with him. Uh, that's the problem, and you need to mm. not be condemning those outside the church. That's ridiculous, uh, and that's where I feel like it's 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 sort of this willful blindness that yeah somehow you know the scripture, but you have to somehow ignore it, tw- twist it. I mean, and it's all you're doing it all internally because the main thing is we have to be the good people; they have to be the bad people. And the process, you just completely strain out gnats and swallow camels. You just miss the whole point. Well, I I think I think blindness has been a helpful word for me lately. Um, that there is a certain level to in order to do in order to say certain things in order to you're in you're out you're not with us we're gonna we're gonna you know kind of shrink the circles of who who is who we approve of as you know faithful teachers or whatever it may be um you're bad i'm good at some level i i can't accept that i'm bad right i can't accept that i'm broken i can't admit that i do the same thing you do maybe it just shows up differently I can't admit that. And interestingly enough, Jesus said, if I can't admit that, then I can't get better. If I can't admit my sickness, I don't need a doctor. Yeah, that's right. And it's it kind is, of that's what, that, that's what he's saying. Yeah. That it's, it's the sick who need a physician. Yeah. And we, I think we even, even now we can sort of misinterpret that where he's basically saying everybody needs a physician. Everybody's yeah. sick. You just Everybody. have to be the people who recognize they're sick want a physician, and those who think they're well, like the Pharisees, they don't want the physician. I wonder if there's something in this that's somewhat of a cultural phenomenon with how much, um, how easy it is to become distracted um, from into shallow living, just distracted into shallow living in general. I can zone out and numb out on a thousand different things. Um, so it's easy to become distracted and look at this presenting symptom, look at this presenting issue and to think this is the whole thing and kind of distract myself from the, the deeper, harder question of how, how, how am I supposed to be, what is my stance in relationship to other people with whom I might deeply disagree with? That's a harder question. It's a deeper question. It's kind of easy. It's actually really easy. And it feels really good to say, I disapprove of you and your position and your behavior. So we're done. Yeah. It's actually really easy. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, and then the circle just grows either smaller and smaller, or you have to keep admitting more radical, crazy people from the extreme in order to keep your group the same size, which I feel like is what's happening culturally, you know, that more and more in order to... Uh, I have to, I expel these people from the good people. And so therefore I'm sort of willing to accept people from the other side who are even more harsh or crazy. Um, and it's all about, yeah, me feeling like I'm on the good team instead of, yeah, we're all bad. Yeah. yeah. There's not my place to approve or disapprove you. Who am I? Yeah. Uh, like I need grace. I'm sick. You know, I need the physician and that's, that's never going to go away. And so it's never going to be, no one's asking for my approval. I shouldn't be trying to give it. No one's asking for my disapproval. Uh, it's like the wrong question, but it does seem like it, that question so dominating our conversation makes it stupid. It, it makes it an identity, a tribe. Are you one of us? Or are you one of them? And there's no in between. And then you just don't even talk about the real thing. Like what about, this grandmother's relationship with her granddaughter like what what yeah. kind of a relationship would jesus want her to have because that's a that's a different conversation that's a that's a real conversation uh and we're just not having that because we're having bad stay away bad bad they bad you stay away you stay with good we good i mean it's yeah. just dumb yeah. It, it, over and over again. It's just dumb. Yeah. Hmm. I think too, I don't know how much you want to go into this one, but I think too, it's um, going to be more, if not already, it's generational. Because yeah. for when I ask our teenagers who hold, hold to a pretty conservative view of marriage, mm -hmm. like, friends with people. I have a lot of, of different types of friends, transgender, uh, practicing gay people. When mm -hmm. it's about going to their wedding, they don't think twice about it. Like, would you ever, it's like, yeah, yeah why would we not go? Like, yeah, what what's the question about? I, like, what, what kind is of the question would I be if I didn't go to their wedding? Like, that doesn't right. make any sense. Like, so for, I think part of it is generational. I don't think that means the next generation is going to lose a doctrinal position or anything like that. I just think for them, it's more in the waters and there's a level of fear for some former generations. It's just more in the waters for them. They're dealing with these questions and cultural conversations all the time. Yeah. And I think there's a level of fear, even back to your first point, is it getting worse? Is it getting better? And this fear that says it's getting worse and here's why, and we got to protect and protect and protect and preserve. And mm -hmm. um, while I understand that, that impulse, I, I think a lot of hurt and mistakes have been made in the process. Yeah. 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 You can understand it. I, I do think it's, it's an understandable impulse, but it's a sort of a movement away from loving people and away from a gospel stance in the world uh, and really living in the real world and really loving people is difficult and complicated. And you're not always sure what the right way to do that is. And, you know, someone who offers certainty in all of that is appealing uh, but there isn't really necessarily certainty in any of that. And I think, you know, you know, to the point of your kids, I mean, they know actual people who are actually in this situation. Yeah. I'm not sure how many people, you know, the John MacArthur's of the world know, 
they're all it's an abstraction it's an othering it's a those people they don't have a name you know they don't mm. have a relationship with them uh and it's so easy to you the more you withdraw the less contact you have with people different than you the easier it is to other them uh, and to think of them as an abstraction and as not a real person and you know it's what the pharisees did basically sinners was their you know their moniker for people everybody who's not us and uh, Jesus broke through that. And so that's, you know, that's the difficult challenge for us uh, to living in the world uh, is, yeah, if you're going to love people, you have to uh, think of them as people. You have to know them. You have to be in their lives. You also have to kind of discard the us, them, the, the contamination, all of those things. And you have to hold out yourself as somebody who's continually in need of a whole lot of grace. And so withholding it from somebody else just seems like a contradiction. Uh, and that's all of those things are movements away from where we are culturally. Yeah. So I love that, that last point you made. Everyone has a name. Everyone has a, a story. Every, everybody gets the dignity of saying, here's who I am. This is my name and not mm -hmm. the, the objectifying nature of, you know, you're just a them and you're out yeah. there. Yeah, and I think the gospel transforms people uh, over time. Uh, and I'm, you know, hopefully still an object of that transformation. Uh, it should leave none of us where we started. Uh, and yet we want to create a, you know, a membership application that, you know, there's a certain level of righteousness before I will even interact with you. Uh, and all of that is self-protection, all of that is fear, uh, and none of it is really grace and gospel. And therefore, for those who are primarily concerned with truth, they don't get to experience the truth of the gospel because you keep yourself away and condemn. And so it's lose-lose. Um, so um, we probably were at the end of our time, a little over, so we probably should sort of land it there. I think I might you know, moving forward in the next few pieces, kind of deal with, you know, maybe what some sort of principles of healthy cultural interaction, a healthy cultural stance might be for those who take the Bible seriously. Uh, what does that look like? What should it look like? Um, because I just think we, um, as you know, it's something I've thought about and taught, taught uh, for a while, but we in the church just, I think, especially generationally, people you know outside of their 20s and 30s i think we're basically wrong <laughs> about how to how to have this stance in the world not even I, necessarily theologically it's just how to live in this world the expectation that the world is basically like us or should be basically like us is just wrong i think you have I, that's what i was sensing this whole time was you know i've been in your trainings and then had you come out here and train I think to, you know, go over some of your like ambassador stuff. And I don't know how long mm -hmm. it's been since you've maybe recently done a podcast or you know, maybe it's been a while, but just that stance in the world. And, you know, it's, it's really not, I'm more committed to truth. It's you're missing the truth that is already, it's the big picture of truth. Like it's grace right. is not opposed to truth. Right. It's not like, Oh, well, I'm more committed to truth and that's grace. It's like, no, the truth is that Jesus extended grace and we should too. So I, I would love to hear more about that. I think that would be really beneficial uh, to people. 
All right. Well, we're doing it then. It's decided. Good. 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 Uh, all right. Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna end it there. Thanks, Chad. Uh, it was a great conversation. Uh, thanks for being. Thank on. you. And uh, if you want to check out the piece, if you haven't yet, go to theembassy.substack.com. Uh, it's called Nats and Camels. Uh, Very and, good. Uh, I highly recommend it. Check it out. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and so until next time, uh, it's great that to have you along the, the journey with us, dear listener, uh, and uh, look forward to continuing the conversation later. Grace and peace. You've been listening to On Culture, a podcast of the Embassy Newsletter. Have a question? Send it to theembassy at substack.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.